I'll look men dead in their eye. Go home and love your wife. Welcome to Voice of Reason Radio. Your host, Chris Honholtz and Richard Story, joining you on Friday, May 21st, 2021. Welcome to episode 199. <laughs> 199 episodes. We are one away from a big two double zero. Uh, I cannot believe we're doing this, but welcome, welcome, welcome to the program. Yep, that was our our, our one of our favorite preachers, Vody Balcom. You just heard, and he's setting the tone for tonight's program. And I hope you guys are going to be blessed by this. Uh, you. It, it is one of the most important topics, especially in this day and age within the family we need to be talking about. But welcome to Voice of Reason Radio. If you are new to us, um, wow, real, we really appreciate your being here. Um, five years, 199 episodes, and we are still seeing new faces and new numbers coming in regularly and and we cannot even begin to to say how blessed we are. So thank you for being with us. Uh, here with my my good buddy Rich Story, uh, we just love being with you guys each and every week. Want to remind you, we are part of the Christian Podcast Community. That is a community that I think we both feel comfortable saying. If you go there, you will find a podcast that you like and you will be blessed by. Maybe you don't agree with every pot, uh, topic, but everything in there is always going to be something worth listening to. So go check out Christian Podcast Community and give some of those programs a listen. You will walk away with wonderful, wonderful, uh, rich teachings and programming. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for being with us this week. Rich, how you doing, my brother? I'm hanging in there like a rusty nail. <laughs> amen, amen. I know that feeling all too well, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, uh, it's 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 been See, a couple I, weeks. I, it's been a couple weeks for us. <laughs> I, but I didn't answer as I usually do, this is and true. I've already got you tripped up a little bit. You and... did. I wasn't ready for that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Every every week, in case you don't know, Rich hits us with something else. He always says. Better than I deserve. Better than I deserve, which is what I was waiting for. And you left hooked me again. Dadgummit. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's it's great to be back with you this week, Rich. You and I had to postpone last week. Uh, just too many things kind of came up at once, and we dropped a, a, a rewind episode, which so many of you still listen to. Thank you uh, for doing that, by the way. And, uh, you know, glad to be back with my brother. Every time you and I don't record for a couple weeks, the pre-show discussion lasts at least an hour. <laughs> we could have had the show recorded by an now. <laughs> oh yeah, it, I, it was more like an hour and a half. Oh, I'm I'm looking at the clock. It says it was. It's been an hour and fourteen minutes since the call began, so it was a little over an hour. <laughs> well, it just kind of what happens, and sometimes we communicate better during an off week than <laughs> we did this week. And when we don't communicate much, that tends to we we spend an hour or longer just getting caught up on what's been going on in each of our lives and our families. And that's kind of what happened tonight in pre-show, which really wasn't a pre-show. It was just a <laughs> gab chat, I guess. Yeah, total gab session. We covered everything from uh, me being an amateur plumber to um, the Pentagon thinking aliens exist. So I, we, we covered pretty much every base, I think. <laughs> 
even megalodon sharks. Yes, in the bottom of the Marianas Trench. Yeah, there's that too. Yeah, we covered everything but the topic for the show. <laughs> <laughs> Which we will get to, I promise. We will get to. Um, uh, well, Chris, yeah. Before we get, before we actually get into tonight's topic, would you quickly run through a few announcements we have? And I'm going to correct you. Something you said Uh-oh. at the beginning of this short time into this show already. Yes, we have. This is show number 199. Yes. Full disclosure. All 199 posted episodes have not been original. There's been a few reruns mixed in with that. So whatever <laughs> our actual new episode number is, I have no idea. Do you? No, I have no clue. There are a total of 199 episodes throughout the entire course of the Voice of Reason radio run. Uh, what we've done is is reload um, because there's no way to, for us to generate a new show into the podcast stream unless I just reload the episode as a rerun. So technically, we have 199 episodes. Don't ask me to count up how many reruns. <laughs> it, you know, it, I tell you what, we still have never given away the books that uh, that Andrew Rappaport kindly provided us through a, the gift of a, uh, uh, of a listener. We still have five copies of his two books. So if somebody wants to go through and count through the 199 episodes that we have, and tell us how many rerun episodes, and uh, do the sub- do the math, and tell us how many original episodes we have, and you email it to us at voice of voice of reason radio at gmail You get two of Andrew Rappaport's books. Uh, we're going to give these things away if it kills us. <laughs> Andrew, I can't help it, man. We've tried. We've been trying to give them away. <laughs> Just it's it's your books. I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, we're not very creative in giveaways, so that's part of our problem. This is true, but not one of you came up with a logo for the for the Theo Bros account. Um, and and I, I know KT even tried to get somebody into that. Unfortunately, lives outside the continental United States, so there was no way I was mailing books out there. I couldn't afford that. Um, but I know some. You know, I know KT tried to get us a, a, a somebody to design one. Uh, I know there's a group on uh, in Twitter that is actually wanting to make shirts with the Theo Bros logo, but we need a logo. So we, you know, that that offer still stands. If you design us a, a an acceptable Theo Bros logo, I'm thinking kind of based off. If you go to uh, at the Theo Bros on Twitter, you'll see the the the, the, uh, the little graphic image that we have. It's two characters from an 80s video game. If you want to take that as inspiration, maybe have a couple of, you know, Reformation-era type individuals holding Bibles, preaching in the open air, something like that. Hey, that offer still stands. Uh, you will get to the Andrew's two books. What, uh, what do we believe and what do they believe? Great apologetics books. I'm telling you, we will send those out to you to the first person who comes up with a really nice logo for us. But, uh, you know, we're just so grateful. Oh. And go ahead, brother. Also, real quick, the account at the Theo Bros is actually the Voice of Reason Radio's mascot. That's, that's our official mascot, which I am trying to remember to make time to make use of. Some of you have been really, really kind to tag that account more often than I've used the account. So thank you for keeping it alive and reminding me I need to use it. Uh, so, But uh, it, that it, that is our mascot account. The idea is to actually take what has been a slur amongst the more progressivist, leftist 
read liberal, not really Christian uh, mentality, uh, who use that as a slur for people who actually believe the Bible, who actually uphold biblical truth. So uh, that's that's our mascot account, and uh, I, I do intend to use it more. I'm I'm really not good at this anonymous, uh, you know, Twitter thing. I got to work on that. So maybe maybe I can pick on some of your brains to help me do that. But anyway, um, just, just as you said, Richard, a couple of announcements. Next week is our 200th episode. Five years, 200 episodes of Voice of Reason Radio. You tune in. That's all I'm going to, I'm not going to tell you what we have something in mind. So tune in episode number 200. Um, we, we have something in, in, uh, in store for you guys. I think will be really, really great provided God willing, everything works out. It, it should be really great. So, uh, that's obviously, we got to give that caveat. If the Lord has other plans, then episode 200 will be something else. <laughs> and, and, and it's something that's going to have Chris breathing he's going to go back and dig out that brown paper bag he used to hyperventilate in he'll have that out prior to recording because he's going to be using that thing like crazy i still need a, a mic mute button so that y'all can't hear that but uh, no I, I think you guys will enjoy it. i think it'll be really fun and, I, and we're really looking forward to this one the other thing some of you have asked for it and we finally finally have it we actually have official voice of reason voice of reason radio merch to what my kids call it swag is what some of y'all other call it's a t-shirt okay we have t-shirts we have official voice of reason radio t-shirts thanks to the 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 great guys over at doctrinal life josh thank you so much for working with us on this and getting this going we uh doctrineandlife.co when you go there you're going to see james white stuff Believe me, there is an icon that you can find under the T-shirts for Voice of Reason Radio. I, um, we want you guys to go, go and get these. These, by the way, we're not making any bank off of this. Okay, it's, the money primarily is going to the guys at Doctrine and Life because they're the ones that are putting this all together for us. And so one day, you know, uh, we'll we'll actually maybe see a little bit of a, a gift back. But what we want you to do is to buy the shirts. Not because it's, it's making us any money. It gets the word out. Okay, The t-shirts will get the word out that this program is out there. It's a way to support the program by just letting people know it exists. So go and I'll get your this. shirts. Go ahead. I'll add this. What profits, if and when we ever do see any, will be used to purchase something to re-gift to you guys, the listeners. Exactly. Whether it's a book or, or something along those lines. So Absolutely. Um any, anything that you purchase from Voice of Reason Radio on that website will at some point down the road be recycled back into the program, meaning that it will allow us some funding to be able to purchase books and resources to turn around and give back to you guys. Exactly. And but like I said, it's it's we're not making any bank off of this. We're not it, this is not to line our pockets in any way. It's just an opportunity for those of you who would love to show your support for the program. This is this is a simple way to do it. You can just go to doctrineandlife.co and look under there. And if enough of you show interest in it, they will they are going to work on other products like hats and stuff like that. But we've got to have some people showing interest. I think right now, Rich, I've bought the bulk of the shirt. That have sold. Uh, part of that is because, because in two weeks, well, actually, about almost a week and a half now, 
I will be at Cruciform Conference, not as a speaker, because they're not that crazy. They, they ain't gonna, they're not putting me up behind a pulpit, which is probably smart on their, their yeah. part. Yeah. Hush yeah. you. Hush yeah. you. Stop it. <laughs> but um, they they really wanted me to come out there. And uh, because funding was allocated for another conference that I'm going to later this year, G3, yes, um, some brothers came together and they're, ma- they're getting me out there. Uh, so I get to come and be and just attend. But if things work out, uh, unfortunately, Rich won't be there, which really makes me sad. Um, but Chris Huff of Matter of Theology has agreed to fill in for Rich if we can make a live podcast work. So I get to be out there, not only hear some wonderful teaching on it, and if you can get to this thing, go. Okay, these guys put on a great conference. I mean, there's going to be a ton of speakers, some of which you know the names of. But I mean, these Andrew, for example, is going to be there. Chris Huff is going to be there. Drew Vanita from uh, from Matter of Theology is going to be there. These guys uh, put on a fantastic conference. I was it was such a blessing last year to go, and I mean, you got uh, Justin Peters, Andrew Rappaport, J- Jeff Johnson, uh, Chris Huff, Kofi. Abu Bowen, uh, let's see who else. Michelle Leslie, she's going to be there. She's she preaches, or Michelle would smack me if I said that word. <laughs> I, Michelle, I'm sorry. She teaches the ladies, and she does such a fantastic job. Um, you know, Brian Nindy, he's one of the pastors that I got to meet out there. He's going to be sme- speaking. You've got a ton of people. Brandon Scalf, who is the head of Cruciform Ministries. Uh, he's put this together. He's speaking. You you will be blessed. So I'm going to put this in the show notes. It is still the topic is still standing. 500th anniversary of the Diet of Worms, which is Martin Luther's famous uh, standing before the Catholic Church in the Diet of Worms. I'm trying to not mix mix up my words. I'm already doing it wrong. And uh, the, but that's where he said, you know, here I stand. I can do no other. So help me God. At least as as we have it written down. And, you know, the premise of this is why we must continue to stand on the word of God alone. So if you can get out there, go. This is going to be a great conference. It's June 4th and 5th. There's a pre-conference uh, uh, on the uh, the day prior, which is the 3rd. Andrew Rappaport, Anthony Silvestro, Joel Settercase having a still defending apologetics and Christian worldview pre-conference. I think that's going to be a fantastic opportunity. So if you can get to Indianapolis, Indiana, June 3rd, 4th, and 5th, go. Get to this place. I think you guys are going to be blessed. But if it works out, we will be able to do a live podcast from there, which is probably the first time we will have ever been able to do something like that. Still not sure how I'm going to make that work. But I'm going to have shirts out there. So that's that's why I've bought the bulk of the shirts that have sold so far. <laughs> it, it'll be Chris Han Holt and... The Huff. The Huff. The Huff. The Huff. So yeah, you know, That's sorry, Chris Huff. You've just got you just got a whole new name, man. You're the Huff. So uh, yeah, so we're we're gonna be we're gonna have that. Uh, we're gonna have shirts out there for that. So we will have both the conference link and the link for the doctrineandlife.co website that has the shirts. And by the way, if you are fans of well, what? 
Uh, my understanding is I think they're talking to Doctrine and Life about having stuff come out too. And I can say that because Doctrine and Life made reference to that on Twitter. So I'm not letting any cats <laughs> out of the bag. It's not like I have inside information. But these guys are great. And they really have such a wonderful setup for for podcasts who are trying to have at least something available for their listeners. But it's hard. You can't really... Um, you know, you got to invest a lot of time, energy, money, shipping, and, and these guys have put something together to make it possible for ministries to do that. So really throw some, throw some business their way and, and give them a thanks, by the way, give them a thanks on, uh, you can find them on Twitter and Facebook. Give these guys a thanks for doing what they do for programs like this. I mean, we're just a two man show. There, there's no funding hey, to this brother, at all. Go ahead. I would like to add this and, and you can testify to it since you actually, have shirts in your hand that you can touch and feel, mm-hmm. unlike um, <clears throat> your, your partner in this podcast <laughs> that has yet to order his family t-shirts from for, for the Voice of Reason Radio. But anyway, that's another story. Um, these are not like the t-shirts you see on all of these mass marketing websites and yeah. ads coming across Facebook. These are good, high-quality shirts. It's not the... Mm-hmm. $4, charge you $25 type. These are good quality shirts. It's not the cheapo China made, you know, barely held together by a string type that you normally see off of some of these mass generated mm-hmm. print your own shirt type places. Yeah. I mean, um, it, it, th- how, th- how would you rate the quality of the shirt? I'd say it's, it's a really nice, worn them and it's a, they're real nice shirts. They fit well. I, I think that the, the sizing in my opinion works well. Um, my teenage boys have them. They got the mediums. They seem a little long on my, on my lanky boys, maybe because they need to fill out a little bit. I don't know. Uh, but, <laughs> but they, uh, they're, they're good quality and they, they do actual screen printing. They don't do like the digital print stuff that washes off after the first time through the wash. This actual screen printing that, you know, they, you know, they, they transfer on there. So, and it's a nice, it looks really nice, nice quality, nice fit. Uh, I love them. And, uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what else they will be able to do for us. And if somebody will put together a logo for us, because neither Rich or I can draw to save our lives, uh, they maybe we can convince them to do a Theobro shirt. So, you know, help us out with that. You know, get, get some ideas to them. Um, oh, oh, I almost forgot. Thank you, Josh, for making this available. If you order between now and July 1st and you use the code VOR10, VOR10, you get 10% off. So, Buy like 50 shirts and you get, you know, five bucks off. No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's really bad math. Don't use my math. But, you know, you get you get 10% off between now and July 1. So get get yourself, you know, uh, some shirts. Get some for the family. Get some for friends. Share them. Like I said, this is not how we make any money. You know, we're, we're not making money off of this. This is us just wanting to get you guys something that helps you show your support for the program um, if you do want to support the program, I, you know, one of these things I got to remember, remember to, to share once in a while, we do have a Patreon. If you go to the, uh, slave to the king.com, you look on the right hand side, you'll see the link for it. If you're interested and God has made it possible for you to do that, then you can throw whatever few pennies you <laughs> our way that you want. That just helps us pay for the website, helps us pay for the Podbean account you know keeps the equipment running that's all that's that's all we're tending to use it for if anything goes to be above and beyond that as my brother rich said then it's going to go back into the way of trying to make things available to you guys 
Uh, it might make it possible for us to get to a, a conference that you want us to be at or anything like that. Um, and, and, you know, by the way, I guess I should put this out there uh, because I was interviewed on Andy Olson's program, Echo Zoe Radio. Uh, we will drop our copy of that when I'm gone that week in case you don't go to Echo Zoe and you don't listen to that program. You'll get to listen to that interview. If you ever want to have us on a program, and I kind of hate to say that because it's feels kind of like self-promotion. I hate that. Just email us, voiceofreasonradio at gmail.com. I guess that would be the way to reach us because uh, we're some of you guys just have been really vocal with us lately, and I guess some of you are wanting to hear more from us. It's kind of weird. I'm not quite used to this yet, Rich. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, but, uh, you know, so th those are, I think, all the announcements. Was there anything else I forgot? <laughs> I'm not used to this many announcements. Well, <laughs> well we, 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 we're we a little rusty, and we ran long on the intro tonight. But I would ask, for me, um, I'm, I've been blessed to right. have the opportunity to teach an evangelism course at a local church, and I'm going to have the opportunity to to preach on evangelism a few times. Um, originally, this course was supposed to cover about eight weeks. Right now, I'm not sure when it's going to end or how many weeks it's going to run into because I think it's already been close to six or seven weeks already. So um, I just pray, I ask the listeners to pray for me and pray for those that are sitting in the, in the class and that the Lord help each of us, and especially me, that he grants me the words to speak that will glorify him and edify these brothers and sisters who are new to evangelism for the most part and are in the course of learning how to overcome their fear and learning how to witness and everything that pertains to evangelism. So I pray, I ask that you pray that the Lord grant me wisdom and grant them boldness and that the Lord will bless not only this class, but this entire church to raise up men and women that will go out and proclaim his gospel. Amen. Amen. Oh, and that, that, that is the big one. Please be praying for that. Also, I am going to share in our show links uh, the link to my church's recent teaching series, and there's still some lessons yet to come. Every other Wednesday night, they've been doing uh, sermons on base, what has been titled... Uh, Fighting the Culture War with Truth. And it's basically talking about the various issues like critical race theory, social justice. Uh, la la this last week's was on the issue of transgenderism. And my pastors have been, in my opinion, doing a fantastic job. And I will, I, I'd like to you guys to take some time to check those out. I think you're going to be benefited from the pastoral perspective. It's great when you hear fellow Christians talking about these issues, but when pastors are educating their their congregation on not only what the issues are, but the biblical response, emphasizing biblical response, you know, the gospel oriented, how do we address this issue? How do we talk about it? How do we deal with it? I think you'll be blessed. So I w I'm going to put that in there as well. So we'll be playing for the pastors of Community Bible Church in Reno as they continue to do this. And I would encourage you, go to the website, listen to the, uh, watch the videos or listen to the, the audios. And my pastors have done something even more. They've made the PDFs of their notes available that they're handing out at each time we have these, uh, these teachings. Like I said, a few more left. I'm actually in talking to one of them about maybe talking with them all at once they've done all this and and maybe we can have an interview for the program we'll see how well that works out depending on timing and availability for them um but i i it's really been a really great series so far so i want to put that in the show notes as well 
that's more announcements than I think we've done in five years. <laughs> well, brother, we we we've been unusually busy the last two or three weeks. You so, ain't kidding. Um, I, I think we pretty much covered everything and have <laughs> caught everyone up to what's been going on. Um, I guess we really just need to jump right on in into yeah. tonight's show. Um, you know, you started off with a fastball with brother Vody. Now we're going to really knock one out of the park with Paul <laughs> Washer. <laughs> yep. Yep. I want you guys to listen. We're, it's not, I'm not going to play the whole nine minutes because we're already 24 minutes into the program. It was all announcements. Um, but uh, we want to l- you to listen a little bit of what Paul Washer hears about says about husbands love your wife. There's a segment in here we want you to pay attention to, and then we're going to talk about the, that actual issue. And and wives pay attention to this because while we're specifically talking up to the husbands, there's application in, in things that Paul Washer says and the 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 biblical issue about how we love our spouse that has application for you as well. So. Pay attention to what Paul Paul Washer says here. We're going to talk a little bit more about it. Don't worry. We're not going to shortchange you on time. (laughs) But uh, here, just give this a listen real quick. Stan, you know all these, um, you know, dating services that that find you a mate that's compatible? You know, I can tell you right now they're not God's will. Why? Because for the most part, it's not God's will to give you a mate that's compatible. Do you feel better now about your marriage, don't you? You're going, whoa, this is a revelation. Here this whole time, I thought I would... No. It's not God's will, by and large. God will give you a mate that is strong in all the areas where she must be strong so that you are not tempted beyond what you can bear. I can say the same thing for her. But God has also given you a mate where He has carefully orchestrated, sovereignly been over her weaknesses. He has given you a woman who is weak in many of the areas where you most want her to be strong. Now think about this. God has specifically given you a woman that is weak and lacking in many of the areas where you most wanted her not to be weak and lacking. I don't know about you, but this is a great comfort. Now why has he done that? To conform you to the image of Christ. Now when we talk about being conformed to the image of Christ, when you think about Jesus Christ, what are the characteristics that most just pop into your head? What are the ones we sing about? I mean, we don't sing a whole lot about the wrath of Jesus, even though he does have wrath, the wrath of the Lamb. We don't sing a whole lot about these things. What do we sing about? We sing about His unconditional love, His mercy, His compassion, His pity, His grace, don't we? Those are the things that just stand out. And they ought to. Don't think you're wrong. They ought to stand out. Alright, so you becoming like Christ doesn't mean just that you dot all the I's and cross all the T's. It means that you reflect these things that He most reflects. Now, let me ask you a question. How can you ever learn unconditional love if you're married to a wife who meets all the conditions? If you were married to a woman that met every condition that your selfish heart put forward, would you ever learn unconditional love? 
If you met a, if you were married to a perfect woman, would you ever learn mercy? Would you ever learn grace? No. Don't you see? God's wisdom is so much greater than ours. The only question you have to ask yourself is what do you want? Do you want what God wants, which is to be made conform to the image of Christ, or do you want what the worldly man wants? Do you want what God wants, or do you want what the world wants? What an awesome statement with regard to husbands loving your wives. I, Rich, that's one of the things in, in listening to that. I, I, I love how he just utterly dismantles kind of the, the, the picture-perfect marriage, the, the fairy tale, I found my perfect mate, they've, they complete me, and I, and I feel absolute joy and love and, and warmth and acceptance. Uh, they're everything that I could ever want, and they satisfy my every need. And he goes, that is not what God desires for you because God brings into your life the person who will most help you conform to his image, meaning there are areas that that person will be weak, that you are then to, to be the husband and, and, and brother in Christ and leader of the home that God calls you to be. And so by meeting those areas, and being your, you know, the the, the perfect, uh, you know, well, I would say perfect match or perfect uh, fit that God has put to it put you in there, so that you can grow in those areas and be the person that 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 spouse needs. That I think is so often what we do not ever hear when we think about marriage, right? Well, absolutely, and um. I know that you've got the link in our show notes. So if anyone wants to go listen to the entire nine minute audio, they can. And if you want to learn even deeper, you can Google Paul Washer and the subject of marriage and loving your wives. But that concept I think is forgotten and many times not even considered um, when it comes to a Christian marriage, a Christian home. It's not a matter of compatibility. <laughs> Um, that's like saying, well, I like this church, I like this pastor, I like the people in it, they make me feel this way, They, I think this, I, I this, you know, that word I always pops up, but it's a matter of not compatibility, but helping God using someone in your life, and in this case, for husbands using the wife to help sanctify you in Christ. And in turn, as husbands, we are to demonstrate the love of Christ towards our wives. And Paul Washer says in this video, husbands, lay down your life for your wife. Now, more times than not, when we hear that phrase, lay down your life, first thing we think about is defending our wife or taking a bullet for our wife or literally dying for our wife. But what this actually means is to live for our wives, meaning that we are to go into marriage, we are to treat our wives in love, in that self-sacrificing way that Christ laid down his life for the church, meaning he was a servant. He was here to serve. We are here to serve our spouse. 
and that takes many different forms and many different shapes. Um, sadly, more times than not, with men that you and I both know and, and some worldly men and even Christian men, they go to talking about they have they, their marriage is bad, they're having this problem, they're having that problem, and the first thing out of their mouth is, I deserve respect. Mm-hmm. I deserve to be treated better. I deserve whatever the case may be. As a Christian, my first response is always, and sometimes I can be a little hard, but I try to do it in love and in truth. But my first response is always, what makes, as a Christian, as a man, as a husband to a wife, you both have professed Christ. You both profess to be Christians. My first question is, what makes you think you deserve to be treated any better than Christ was treated? whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your job, whether it's in your church. If you are a Christian, what makes you think you deserve to be treated any better than Christ was ever treated? Because we are servants to Christ. Christ said himself, if they did, and Christ goes through the list of the way that he was treated, persecuted, reviled, if they did that to our master, why should we expect to be treated any better? In fact, if we are truly in Christ, we should expect to be treated worse than Christ was treated. But that's where the sanctifying part comes in a marriage with a man and a woman. The man is to be the head of the household. He is to love his wife as Christ loved the church, meaning a self-sacrificing, putting as a man, and I'm talking to myself. I'm saying you, but I'm talking to myself putting my pride aside, putting my feelings aside, putting my emotions aside, putting my wants aside, and putting my wife above all of that, but more importantly, putting Christ at the head of all of that, meaning that we both should be desiring to be more like Christ. We should desire not only to be a husband and a wife in Christ, we should desire to be brothers and sisters in Christ, and as men, we should be desiring to see our wives conformed to the image of Christ, which in turn will make our marriages reflect the image of Christ. What do you think, brother? No, absolutely. It's it, that is. I think I still remember when I went through my my marriage counseling, pre-marriage counseling with my my wife and I, um, as when we were still engaged. And I remember the pastor said something that's always stuck with me. And the first thing he that he told us was, most people think about going into marriage what they're going to get out of it, not what they're going to put into it, and the idea that we are to love our wives, to love our spouses unconditionally. We and and by the way, love is not an ushy gushy emotion. That's Hollywood fairy tale nonsense. Love is an action. You know, we are to love others as we already love ourselves. We're to love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. It is an act. It's an act of the will. We are showing something towards someone. We are doing something towards someone when we show love. It's not simply an, um, the emotional fuzzies that we get when somebody walks into the room and we go, <gasps> and you know, that's, that's an emotional reaction to that person. But it's, it, we've been taught to believe that love is that emotional warmth, that that feeling of completeness. But when you love someone, you are doing something you are on for their benefit, for their well-being. And uh, it, it, when God tells us to love, as you're saying, Rich, it is 
conforming us to the image of Christ because we are to become like him. We are to love, especially as husbands. When you go to Ephesians chapter 5, it says to love your wife as Christ loved the church. It is the, What did Christ do? He gave himself up for her. It is this sacrificing love. It is this putting to death self for the benefit of another. That is, when we do that, when we are loving in that way, we are never more like Christ than when we love in that manner, in my opinion. It is putting to death all that is in me for the benefit of someone else. And to do that, I mean, think about all the times when you've been wronged in a relationship and as you said, Rich, well, I deserve better. Well, what I deserve is God's wrath. Let's not talk about what I deserve. If, if, if it's about me, then I think the, the relationship is about me. But if I'm loving in the manner that God calls me to love, it's not about me. It's about for someone else. It's not about doing an expectation of return. It's in doing for the other and sacrificing myself. And I think Paul's uh, it, you know, admonition to the Ephesians is one of the you know the the ways that we can understand what biblically loving one's spouse means, specifically for the husband. You know, he tells us to love our wives, not be in love. Uh, that that great clip from Vody Balcom talks about. This. He says, "I didn't tell you to be in love. I didn't tell you to fall." I said, "Go love your wife." It's that action, not just an emotion. It means doing something for them and and with no really expectation in return if we're loving but the the me showing love is conditional on you giving back to me that's not love that's 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 an exchange that's i'm earning i'm giving you something i expect wages in return you know it's it's not giving of oneself we as especially as husbands rich we need to act in a manner that we are showing love to and for our wives for their benefit. I mean, you think about when he, you know, what he says about loving your wife as Christ loved the church. What does that look like? Is Christ in love? Is he emotionally smitten? Is he bumfuzzled in the mind because he can't believe how magnificent we are as we walk into a room? No. It's he is sacrificially loved his bride to the point of death. That was his, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoso ever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You know, that, you know, God's love was demonstrated in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It was this sacrificial act to the point of death to redeem this rotten, sinful, rebellious humanity. That is the ultimate sacrifice. Christ said, no, uh, you know, no, no love, uh, ha, uh, I'm getting in my tongue tied here. You know, <laughs> <laughs> basically, we show no greater love than when a man dies for his friends. It is that self-sacrificing, the God of heaven, the creator of the universe, Lord, Savior, King, stepped down out of heaven, came to earth, took on humanity, 
endured the worst that he that could be thrown at him because remember there was a question of his lineage he had no wealth he had no home he lived you know, he had nowhere to lay his head he you know he endured scorn ridicule hatred he was lied about cursed at and then what happens unjustly tried and put on the cross for what that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. That's how he demonstrated his love. Uh, I mean, can you think of a more sacrificial way in which we show love, Rich? Well, brother, the the text you were trying to remember, I think it's worded, um, love, no greater love than this, than a man laid down his life for his friends. Thank it you. didn't mean dying for his friends. It means what I said earlier, laying down your life, meaning your living life, meaning putting aside your pride, your, your wants, your desires for someone else. Um, interestingly enough, people tend to forget that even in a verse like this, we can't take it out of context. We're in chapter 5, verse 20, what is it, 23? Uh, 25 through 33. Okay. But the principle of this, or the answer to the how we do this, is actually found in chapter 4. And beginning in verse 29, Paul wrote, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Guess what, husbands? That's how you are to be towards your wife. We, we tend to forget in some of these verses, just like in this, we look at that context right there within those few verses, but we have to go back and look at the entire context of the chapter or the entire book and look at the entire context because as husbands, sometimes we, we read that verse and think, okay, I'm supposed to love my wife as Christ loved the church. But guess what? It's no different than the way Christ has already commanded us to love one another. We are to treat our wives with the same respect, with the same love, with the same compassion, with the same tender-hearted care as we would a brother at church or a friend, you know, somewhere else that is a brother like you and I, Chris. We tend to forget that all of those principles apply to marriage. Um, it doesn't necessarily say right here, okay, husbands do this, this, and this, but we have to learn and study and read the context of what this passage is saying in relation to what the rest of this book is saying in Ephesians. And this is the principle that we are to use when it comes to loving our wives as we love ourselves. We treat them like we would treat any other Christian, except one problem happens in a marriage. We are together for most, I guess, normal couples, you know, the one or both go to work, they come home, they may or may not have kids, but just say over the course of a, of a bad day, say, I go to work, I have a really, really bad day. My wife goes to work and she has a really, really bad day. Come home. We're both tired. We haven't eaten right. We don't feel like cooking. And, and both of us is just in a real bad, grumpy mood. 
those are the times that we really, really need to be walking in the spirit because those are the times that our flesh shows its ugly reared face and we get grumpy. We maybe snap at one another. We might say something we don't mean. We're just tired, irritable. But those are the testing times. Those are the times that we need to stop ourselves and say, wait, I know we both have had a really bad day. We're both tired. We're both ready for bed. We don't feel good. You know, such, such happened at work. Um, You know, whatever may have occurred. But those are the times we, as husbands, we need to stop and say, okay, wife, we need to sit down. We need to read the Bible together. We need to pray together. We, we need to make sure that we remember we are in Christ. We are in this together. And that's just a basic example, but I know you had some other things you wanted to touch on, brother. Yeah, no, and that's all absolutely spot on. I'm, I'm, gra- I'm glad you pointed that out because I think when we're, when we're showing love to our brethren in the church, it's easy to do when you're not around them 24-7. And that same loving kindness that we show to those that are in the church, we make meals for the sick, we, we comfort our friend who's going through a difficult time, that's, it's easy to do when you're not around that person 24-7. 24-7, when you got two sinners in the house, that's when, as you say, you know, there, there's that friction, that constant butting up against one another. And this, uh, this self-sacrificing love, this as Christ showed for the church, that he died and, you know, for his bride. That's where husbands, we, we're not wanting to say this to say, oh, you're flubbing it up. You're messing that, that most, mo- most messages like on Father's Day, a Father's Day, dads, here's where you're getting it all wrong. But what's Mother's Day? Moms, you're the greatest thing in the world, right? Dads are, o- are always getting beat up. Husbands, you're always getting beat up in the sermons that say you're, do- you're, not, you're not good enough. Of course you're not good enough. You're a sinner. You're in Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. You're going through the process of sanctification. So you're going to mess things up. Take heart. Christ knows this, okay? We know this. Rich and I both know because we do it every day. Um. <laughs> but the point in all this is that we want to, this to be an encouragement to you that you have the perfect example in Christ that you are commanded to be conformed to the image to us. So as you are walking in Christ, as you are growing in Christ, as you're spending time in his word, as you're spending time in prayer and practicing the things that he has commanded you to do, you step by step are doing these things. So be encouraged. This is not to beat you up. This is as a reminder, as Rich says, not he says for himself, it's for myself as well. We all you have to do this. So j- just let's point out back to what Christ did, verses twenty-five through twenty-seven, in in Ephesians five. He you know he says Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. What did Christ do? He sacrificed himself for her so that when he redeemed his bride, that he is washing her, sanctifying her, you know, making her something that glorified himself, right? That she is made without spot or blemish. He poured himself into his bride. He 
gave himself up for her. What does he do that for? Well, he does it primarily for his glory. By the way, don't do that for your own glory. <laughs> you do it for the glory of God. When you love your wife, you do it for the glory of God. He did this for his own glory. But he also did it that he would sanctify us, that he would make us his own, that uh, he would make us without spot and blemish. And he did that knowing that we would never be able to repay in kind. We're never going to be able to sufficiently repay the loving kindness of Christ back to him. We're, we're a train wreck from the word go, right? Hey, brother. Yes. I, I would like to add that all of this starts, both for the husband and the wife, it starts with desire. Do you have a desire mm -hmm. to see your husband or to see your wife grow in holiness? Do you have a desire to see yourself grow in holiness? Do you have a desire to see your marriage grow in holiness? That is the starting point. And if you don't have that desire, I would, I would suggest pray that the Lord grant you that desire to have a godly marriage, to have a marriage that reflects what Christ did. And then pray for your spouse. Pray for your wife. Pray for your husband that the Lord would grow them, that the Lord would open their hearts to understand these truths. Pray that your heart would open, that the, that the Lord would allow your heart to open to understand these truths. Pray for your wife. And not only pray for your wife, but pray that she grows in holiness. Pray that the Lord grants you <coughs> self-control over your tongue. Because, husbands, we get in more trouble because of something we spout off and say in the heat <laughs> of a moment that we never meant than any other time. Amen. And sometimes it's something simple as, okay, my wife wants to paint the kitchen this color. I hate it. Well, if she likes it, you're not really ever in it. You're not using the kitchen. What does it matter? And for that matter, she wants to paint the bedroom, and it's a color you despise. What does it matter? Little things like that. You know, mm -hmm. you don't have to make everything a battle. Not everything in the marriage is about you. Self-sacrifice. Lay down your opinion. Lay down your wants for her, as long as all of it is biblically centered. But desire is is the key to all of it. Do you desire your marriage to grow in Christ? Have you even ever thought about the fact that your marriage should be growing in Christ? You know, the, the Lord said in Revelation about a church being hot or cold or lukewarm. Well, husbands, guess what? You should never be lukewarm when it comes to your marriage. Amen. Amen. And, and, and this is where one of those things where I want to kind of just flip it for a moment. Wives, you hear this a lot, and it always causes so much contention. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. What Rich said is exactly what you should be desiring for your marriage as well. Do you want to see your husband grow in righteousness and holiness? Do you want to see him closer to the Lord? Do you want to uh, love him sacrificially as, as the Lord loved you? If you don't desire those things, if you see submission and you hear that word and you think that means I'm a doormat, you've misunderstood. In the same way that guy, us guys, we need to love our wives, not be in love. Of course, we want to be in love with them, but love our wives in a self-sacrificing manner. It is about obedience to Christ, growing in righteousness, growing in holiness, being conformed. 
Husbands, wives, if we fight against this, if we don't desire this, there's something wrong. There's something disconnected between what we believe about Christ and what we practice. The desire to love sacrificially, to submit as, as unto the Lord. These are things that we should desire because we desire to glorify Christ. We desire to be conformed to Christ. And in each case, you know, think about when, you know, when you love sacrificially to the point that you die for the church. That's what Christ did. He did so knowing the church can never repay. That's what we were saying a minute ago. There was, it was this, the, the people that he died for, that he redeemed prior to coming to salvation are vile, putrid rebel sinners. There was nothing desirable about, there's nothing desirable about us that Christ goes, oh, I, I just have to have that. We're rebel sinners. But he redeemed us. He purchased us. He loved us enough to do that. We're the recipient of his self-sacrifice and we can never repay it. That is true self-sacrificing love. And he did it for a reason, to glorify himself, but to present his bride as beautiful, spotless, pure. Because he did, he did that work. He changed us. That is him pouring into us. Husbands, are you doing that? Are you, you know, verses 28 through 29, where we're to, you know, love our wives as we already love our own bodies. Think about that for a second. Rich, you and I know this one well. How much do we love our bodies? If I'm tired, I go to sleep. If I'm hungry, I eat. If I'm thirsty, I drink. You know? I I love my body so much. I don't hate my body where I'm going, I'm just going to starve you to death. You don't give me anything. I'm just going to starve you until you give me something back. Do I do that? Of course I don't. Do I refuse to breathe? Because my body doesn't give me, uh, you know, six and a half feet tall, you know, abs of steel. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deprive you of oxygen? Of course not. I love my body so much that I breathe. I do what I can to keep my body moving, running, because I love my body. And I don't have to think about it. I don't think about whether or not my body gives me back what I want. I take care of it because I want to live. So you love your body. You may not always like what you see in the mirror, but you love your body. Our bodies are the immediate recipients of all that we can give it. Well, your wife is to be loved in the same way. We are one flesh, right? We are to provide the same care and love and concern for her as we do just to keep our body functioning on a daily basis. We don't deprive her. We don't demand to get for something back. We don't do all these things and go, well, now that you're not responding the way I want you to, I'm not. I'm just going to stop caring. And again, this goes back to what you said, Rich. 
this stems from our love for God, for Christ who died for us to redeem us, and our desire to be made more like him. If we don't, as you said, if we don't start there first, this doesn't happen very well. I mean, we can, we can make it all about moralism. We can say this is how you make a perfect marriage, but it falls short really fast when it's under my own power. So if I'm not in submission to God, then I'm gonna make, this is going to be really, really hard for me to do because I, I'm going to start justifying why I don't need to do it. And we can do that real fast. Wives, flip side, submission to your husband. In the same way, do you deny yourself the things that you need to survive, to live? Do you deprive your your body of the things that you would uh, that would you know uh, bring you joy, bring you pleasure, bring the necessities of life because your body doesn't give back to you the way you think it should? Submitting to your husband is that same self-sacrificial love, coming under his leadership, his authority as unto the Lord. When you are supporting him, caring for him, you know, pouring your life into him so that he can be conformed to the image of Christ. Remember what Paul Washer said at the beginning of this, that, you know, you are given a spouse that is strong in all the areas that you, that you need, that, that, that spouse needs to be strong for your for your sanctification, but that spouse is weak in all the areas that you need to be strong for their sanctification. And you are being each being conformed to the image of Christ because you are coming into this place of you're, you're having to be a bit uncomfortable. You're having to give up something. You're having to do something for the other sacrificially hey, so brother. that you can, you can be conformed. Go ahead. Um, I, I thought this would be a good point, place to point this out, what you just said. It's like two links in a chain, and the entirety of the chain is, is in Christ, but we're two links, a husband and a wife. They're links in that chain. One is just as dependent on the other. If that one link breaks, the entire chain breaks. When it comes to our homes, our families, and our marriage, the husband and wife are in those two links. And later in this verse, it talks about um, a wife is to respect her husband. And then, then there's a reminder for the husband to love his wife as himself. Those are two links in that same chain. Wife, if you want your husband to display that type of love to you, respect your husband. Show him the respect that he is commanded in Christ to receive. Husband, do you want the respect of your wife, then show her the love that Christ shows the church. And, and one way you could say it's two sides of the same coin. For the, in order for the husband to love his wife as Christ loves the church, he needs that respect and support from his wife. And for the wife, in order for her to show that respect, she needs the love from her husband that Christ displayed to the church. They're, they're interlinked. It's not a and or or. It's not actually two separate things. They are linked as in one command that has two different clauses. The first part of the clause is the husband is to love his wife. The second part of the clause in that command is the wife is to respect her husband. Mm -hmm. Both of those things should be working in conjunction together. 
and without one, the other is not going to be completely in sync and in the Holy Spirit sanctifying one another. Because wife, you sanctify your husband, and husband, you sanctify your wife. And it all centers back on the love for Christ. Each of your individuals, as individuals, your love for Christ, but together as one person, your love for Christ. I think a lot of times we, we look at it as, okay, husbands, you do this, wives, you do this. No, it's, it's in conjunction. It's together, both working together to serve the Lord in the roles that he's given them within this marriage. But our flesh gets in the way. Our emotions, our tempers, our feelings get in the way. We can never perfectly walk in the Holy Spirit with living with someone 24-7. In fact, we can never live in our own self 24-7 completely and perfectly walking in the Lord. We'll only do that when we, when we stand before Christ in heaven. But it goes back to what we were saying, that desire to grow in holiness, that desire to see your spouse grow in holiness. And as much as I hate the term friendship evangelism and the responses from individuals saying, well, I I live my life in such a way that makes people ask me, what do I have that they don't, and and all those type of things, it actually has some application here. Because I know that we have listeners, the husband may be saved and the wife's not, or the wife may be saved and the husband's not, or the husband and the wife may be recently saved, or the husband and wife may have both professed Christ for 30 years. It all still goes back to the same thing. What does our spouse see in us? What are we displaying to our spouse in our private lives? Are we acting one way when we're at home alone with our spouse and then acting a different way when we're at church with a pastor? Honestly, there should be no difference. We should be acting the same way, irregardless of whether we're in front of the pastor at church or we're home alone with our wife. Amen. And I think that's something I think that's something that we tend to forget sometimes. No, amen. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's just one of those things where it's like you you and I both know there's an objection in all this. We're going we can hear it now. We haven't even uploaded the show, which is well, you know, you you what you're talking about is, you know, doing all these things no matter what and you you know, the, what if that what if their your spouse is a terrible person? We're we're ta- what we're trying to do is talk approach this subject number one, what does the word of God say about how we are to love and to submit in our marriages? Let, let, let's just let's not start with the assumption that every marriage is this terrible thing where if you do these things, the other you know the the opposite number in the marriage is is just going to take it as license to be horrible okay if you start with the exception rather than the rule you've already started at the wrong place because where are we supposed to start rich as you said pursuing righteousness pursuing holiness pursuing sanctification and being conformed to the image of christ that's our starting place that our marriages are where we are pouring into that now, when you run into those circumstances, that's why we have a you know we have pastors who can counsel us, who can come alongside us, can help us in our marriages, who can you know bring counseling and 
teaching, and even rebuke and correction when it's necessary. So, do these scenarios happen? Yes. But it is the, this is where I hear when we talk about, uh, people like to refer to it as patriarchy or, you know, uh, another term is complementarianism. And they say, well, if you do it that way, you set things up for abuse in the home. Egalitarian is what makes it really truly equal and that's less likely for abuse. Right. No, no abuse ever happens in any kind of egalitarian marriage whatsoever. Baloney. Okay. Because, and I can say that with certainty because we are dealing with sinful people. Okay. If your starting place is submission to Christ, obeying his commands, we talked about this in a program just a couple weeks ago, that if we love Christ, we are to obey his commandments. If our submission to Christ is what is first and primary in our lives, then our desire is to. Husbands, love sacrificially, loving your wife as Christ loved the church. Wives, submitting to your husband as unto the Lord. Because you are seeking to be obedient to Christ, making God the center of your marriage and glorifying him. So our admonition to you is to say your marriage is to be a reflection of your relationship with God. If your relationship with God is not in the right position, your marriage is out of position. And the potential for sin, abuse, mistreatment, and everything else goes along with it. It's not the system that makes abuse more, uh, more possible. It is our relationship and our starting place with God that makes that possible. Brother, I'd like to add this. Um, you mentioned um, pastors are there to... to counsel and you know for a couple to seek help the worst thing that you can do or i could do if if we're having a problem in our marriage is go discuss it with a friend or go mm -hmm. discuss it with a relative the the worst thing we could absolutely do is go to someone that we know is going to automatically be on our side unless it's a brother or a sister you know in the case of a, of a wife but we're talking about husbands so um, the worst thing I could do if I had a problem would be to go to someone I know that's going to agree with me. Mm -hmm. um, unless I have a brother like Chris who I was to go to, and I know that he's going to hold me accountable. He's going to tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. Sadly, 99% of the time, we go to people that tell us what we want to hear. And that's when we get in trouble because then we're basically casting pearls before swine when we're seeking out counsel from a friend that's not looking at the problem objectively, it's not looking at the problem through the lens of Scripture, but they're going to be looking at it wanting to make us feel better mm -hmm. about this situation. A pastor, more times than not, is going to address what is happening biblically and then give you biblical applications to use to help you overcome whatever sin is affecting your marriage. And that is the key difference because more times than not, our first response as husbands is to find our buddy and go talk to him about the problems. And then that buddy's going to tell us, well, you know, you just do what you want to do or, well, she's not respecting you. You just go out and do what you want to anyway, or whatever the case may be. 
Or in the situation of a wife, she goes to her friend, and the wife says, well, he's not treating you like you ought to be treated. You deserve this. You deserve that. And then it's right back to feeding our own self, our own pride. Mm -hmm. Instead of seeking out counsel from someone that first has experience in dealing with these issues, that has talked to numerous couples that maybe, hopefully, you have a, you're blessed with a pastor that's married and has been married for, you know, a couple of decades that's gone through this and can relate to what the issue is and, and counsel you biblically from what the Bible says, but it ultimately comes back to if you are seeking counsel, it needs to be from someone that will do, like I said, tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear, because more times than not, we seek out the counsel of people that is going to tell us what we want to hear, make basically we're going to seek out counsel of someone that's going to agree with us. That's going to take our side in the issue instead of looking at it and discussing it objectively. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I think if you, if you, if you doubt that, think about the reaction you get from the person that tells you, well, have you considered you this? Have you considered that maybe you need to? And the first thing you do is how dare you, you know, if you if your reaction to someone is is who's not immediately coming to your aid but is objectively looking at it and asking you have you done x y and z and you take offense to that now you know why you went to that person you expected them to come alongside you and be in agreement with you maybe they need to be maybe it is the spouse's fault but a genuine objective observation and looking at through things biblically means you're going to ask those questions. And most of us don't want to hear those questions. Most of us want to hear our complaints echoed in the voices of our friends or loved ones. So that that's just something that we need to take in mind. That genuine biblical counsel means that you're going to ask questions that might be uncomfortable, that might make you feel like, well, what do you mean have I done? He's the one or she's the one doing this, this, and this. Yes, but are you coming into this marriage and loving your spouse the way you're supposed to? Is there anything that you are failing to do, especially for us as husbands? We are to be the leaders in our home, not, by the way, dictator, lord, and master. Okay? <clears throat> Christ demonstrated servant leadership, right? He got down on his hands and knees and washed the stinky feet of his knuckle-headed disciples. And yet, he was Lord and Master and King of the entire universe. If you are to love your wife, husband, the way Christ loved the church, who got down on his hands and knees and washed the nasty feet of his disciples, what kind of leadership are you supposed to example? You're not to be a master who lords over his servants. You are to be a humble servant. You serve your wife. You serve your family. You lead by example. You humble first. You seek forgiveness first. You put others first. That's genuine and never, leadership. And never repay sinful actions with sinful actions Amen. or sinful words with sinful words. If, if your wife, if your husband is snaps at you and acts in sin, don't rep repay it with a response that is equally sinful. That is a problem that even Christian marriages fall into, 
is that we let the heat of that moment, that knee-jerk reaction we send, that is our automatic default go-to setting because it will always be in our sinful flesh. That's why when these things happen, our first response needs to be to step back, maybe stay quiet for a moment, say a silent prayer, and ask the Lord to help us respond in a way that is glorifying to him and to his word. Amen. Amen. And and by the way, it's not just the simple snapping at. There's also the meek and mild and well, if that's what you want, you know, I, you know, the I, I I'm sorry you feel that way manipulation. We can do that too, husbands. We're good at that too. We may be the more vocal, but we can be manipulative too. Okay? And wives, you know that you do both as well as we do. Okay? That guilt trip reaction. The guilt, the guilt trip reaction. That oh, oh, I don't want you to feel bad. So you know, I'm sorry I made you feel that way. Well, no, 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 don't you know, don't do that emotional play. Okay, because you it, it gets what we want, right? We you know we feel we uh, we act all broken. We act we act all uh, you know like uh, you know uh, my hurt feelings are hurt. You know because we know that's going to elicit a reaction. Don't do that either. Okay, please don't do that either. Um. But just some as we're wrapping things up, I, I just had some thoughts, Rich, that some practical ways. You know, this is me speaking to husbands. I know because I, I'm a husband. I do this. Um, some things that we can do to demonstrate and, and actually practice genuine biblical love. And it starts with that, what we've been saying all along, is dying to self. Uh, you, you, you live to love, care for, and provide for your wife above yourself. You know, you there's the, the old Sunday school lesson. We always hear the acronym JOY, Jesus, others, yourself. We, we're the last ones on the list, right? We, we, if we love Christ, then we're going to love others as we already love ourselves. So I'm putting my wife first because I'm demonstrating my love for Christ by loving her and putting her first and putting her needs and her, uh, um, her desires and her interests ahead of my own. Doesn't mean that I can't have desires and interests, but I'm I'm willing to put to death the things that I think are so important for me. Maybe maybe it's winning an argument and loving her by caring for her and her needs, emotional, physical, etc. First, um, in the same way that Christ equips us. Remember, you know, Christ redeemed His bride. He Washes her with the water of the word. He makes her spotless without wrinkle. Right? Why? Because he made us a new creation. He broke us from free from the bondage of sin and death. He gives us the Holy Spirit who renews us every day. He gives us his written word so that we would have his direct revelation. He gives us fellow saints who edify us. A church by which we grow and 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 uh, go out and make disciples. We are we are sanctified by him. So. Like Christ, as he equips you, you equip her. You pray for her. You teach and guide her in the word. Yeah, that means you're going to have to study your Bible more. You're going to have to be able to answer tough questions. You you may have to sit and watch the videos together because you don't have the answer. That's okay. Go get American Gospel Television. It's a subscription service. You can watch all kinds of great stuff together. Um. Minister her to her as the weaker vessel. You're pouring your life into her. You're equipping her to be a woman of God. 
Wives, in submitting to your husbands, you're lifting him up and supporting him as he grows, as he's attempting to, to lead and minister. You're not stepping on him. You're not saying, no, you're doing it wrong. You're saying it wrong. You're, you're, you're working together. It doesn't mean you can't respond and ask questions or even say, I think it says this in the Bible, doesn't it? You know, you're, but you're coming alongside him and you're helping him learn, but you're not supplanting him. You're helping each other grow. We're, as I said before, husbands, we're not Lord, master, and dictator. We're, we're servants. We serve our wives by leading in the home. We take responsibility for the home. We, we take responsibility for the direction of the home. We don't blame, oh, it's the kids or it's my wife who just won't. We take responsibility for that. We're praying for God to be able to be, be godly leaders in our home. We're praying for our spouse and our children, for their salvation, for their sanctification, for their growth. And we take responsibility, whether good or bad. And that doesn't mean that you can't bring correction, but you do it in a godly manner. Doesn't mean that you can't discipline your children, but you do so with God's glory in mind and their sanctification in Christ. Pride and arrogance cannot be our skill set. Okay, we, we can't lead and just be so stubborn that we think you got to do everything the way I say because I'm king. I'm the one in charge. No. We stand on the firm foundation of Scripture. We humble ourselves because we're an undeserving wretch that has been blessed by Christ who redeemed us. And you submit to his commandments. You repent of your sins. And you demonstrate all of that to your family. You're transparent. When you sin, you seek forgiveness. When you sin, you repent. And guess what? When you blow it with your kids, you do the same thing. You lead your family not only by what you say, but by how you, you demonstrate it. You lead by example. You humble yourself before God. Rich, you were saying this before. You, you show kindness. You show mercy. You show forgiveness even when she sins against you. Wives, same, same thing. Your husband's going to sin. He's going to fail. You can't hold it over his head. You can't file it in the, back, you know, the, in the back of your mind and bring it up two weeks later, a month later, a year later. Forgiveness means, wives, husbands, we forgive. Hey, bro. Yeah. Just real quick, um, this verse just came to my mind. The, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And I can't remember who I heard this from, but it said, if you want to be a good husband, you first need to learn how to be a good beggar. Amen. Because in order to be a good beggar, you have to throw every ounce of pride out the window. Amen. Amen. Leading in the home doesn't mean we get to we get to just lord it over everybody and act like that we're just perfect and and don't you ever question me because you are a vile sinner redeemed by Christ and you're being renewed every single day the mercies for you are new every single day and if you're loving your wife the way Christ loves you Guess what's new every single day for your wife? New mercies every day. 
and you you are a beggar before Christ seeking his grace and his mercy, you better be showing it to her. You better be showing you show kindness, mercy, and forgiveness. You don't you don't hold that grudge. You don't do the well, you always treat me this way, because we're good at that. We are good at that. You know that. Even if you don't say it, it's in the back of your mind. She always says that. She always treats me. You know that's in your mind. You forgive because you are wanting to be like Christ. And you confess your sins and you seek her forgiveness. And here's one yet y'all ain't going to like. You know why? Because I don't like it. Sacrifice your time for her. Put your phone down. That's one of my bad habits. Put your phone down. Turn off the TV. Put uh, us book readers. Put your book down and pay attention and, to what she's saying. And, and don't be trying to listen and do any of that mm -hmm. at the same time. You can't because it's gonna it's gonna come across like you really don't care what is being said. You know, and it's, it's, I tell you, if you make your wife repeat herself because you're half paying attention, she's going to know what mattered more. I know because I've done that. <laughs> it's one of my worst habits. Um, I don't do divided attention well. That's why I don't read a book in the room where a TV or a radio's on or people are having conversation. I can't. I, my divided attention stinks. So don't do that with your wife. Wives, same thing. You know, sometimes I know you want to you want to pour your whole day into your husband when he walks in the door. And whether it's a two family, you know, you know two party home where both are working, or uh, the, maybe the wife's at home, or, or you know, vice versa, you want to. But you come in the door and you first see each other. You want to pour everything into him. There are times your husband needs to download the the times that he needs to. You know, his day has been filled too, and he needs to just, just set, reset, give him, and, and be willing to give him that time. Sometimes he needs whatever hobby he's got it, reading a book, playing a game, t you know, futzing on the computer or whatever. Be willing to sacrifice that too. Or he has, you, you, you want to hear a fun one? My wife sacrifices some of her. Uh, television viewing to watch shows that she never in the world would watch, but because I like them, she watches them. And it's those Japanese superhero television program called Ultraman. She started watching <laughs> them with me because I liked them. So it's sacrificing that time because you love your spouse and you're showing love and pouring love and acting out love by doing that. I would like to add, though, husbands, if you come home and it's been one of those days and your wife does step back and gives you that time, don't take it for granted. Yes. Don't spend half the night playing video games and neglecting your spouse or your children. You know, you need to exercise some balance in that. Maybe, you know, if you need 30 minutes or maybe even an hour to kind of unwind and deflate from all that stress and tension from work that day, you know, that's fine, but don't abuse the grace that the wife is exhibiting towards you and giving you that time that you need to kind of unwind a little bit. And, and let's just flip that script a little bit too. Sometimes you walk in that door 
and you want that unwind time, guess what you may have to sacrifice? Your wife has had difficult days too. Okay? And you may have to sacrifice some unwind time to care for her. And that this is what's going to kill all of us. Listen. Don't problem solve. There are times when you have to come in and step in and give guidance, help, you know, help develop solutions. Other times, just listen. Sacrifice that time and listen. Here's one that I would ask a lot of us husbands to be good, really better about. Do not make your wife go it alone. You know as well as I do, there are some of us husbands out there that go, I'm the breadwinner, I work hard all day, you take care of the house, you take care of the kids, leave me alone. Do not do that. I cannot think of a more selfish act than to make your wife go it alone. That is heartless in my opinion. Your wife has so much that she deals with on a daily basis. And for you to ex expect her to just run that and let you be the breadwinner, I, I've encountered people like this in my life. And I have zero respect for it. Guess what? That may mean, like I did today, you got to stop working on your article or stop doing whatever it is you do. And you got to go play amateur plumber and plunge nasty, goopy garbage out of a hose because the, the drain is backing up. It may mean you got to stop what you're doing and go help your wife put the, uh, the project together that she's working on. Or she's organizing the kitchen or she's cleaning the house. And you, you stop and you help. You, you intervene when the, you need to. Or you help teach the kids. You, you help them with their schoolwork. You, you help, if you're a homeschooling family like we are, you, you know, for a time I was helping when I come home at the end of the day and help with the math, which was not my strongest subject in school. <laughs> so, but I, apparently I had a slightly better grasp, so I was doing that when I would come home. Do not make uh, your wife have, go it alone. What's that? I would, on, on the flip side, don't. Try to go it alone, yes. meaning the husband or the wife not wanting to put that burden on the spouse and think, well, I'll just take care of this myself. I can manage it. Don't try to go it alone. We, as husbands and wives, we are to be there for each other. That means we both are to listen. We both want to help one another. We're willing to take on any challenge together as a husband and a wife. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I, I know, I know exactly what you mean in everything you just said, but I also know situations where maybe the wife did not share with the husband when she should have thinking that she could take care of it. She mm -hmm. could go it alone when she should have sought the counsel of her husband. And that husband should be willing to sit and listen and work through the issues and provide solutions when they're needed. But sometimes it's a matter for the husband just to sit and listen to the wife, even if it takes her 15 minutes to make a 30-second point. <laughs> sit there patiently and listen, because men's brains do not work like women's brains. That's well, a fact. I'm sorry if, you, no. or, or if someone's offended by that, but it's just a fact. And some of us have very analytical-type brains to where we just want to hear the, get to the point of the problem, let's address it, get it fixed, and move on to something else. When a lot of our wives' brains may kind of zigzag and, and ring around the mountain and do all of this, 
And sometimes they just want us to sit and listen as they go through all this, and they can actually determine a solution on their own, but they just want us to sit and listen as they work it out. And and to add to that, husbands, your wife is your helpmeet. We are really, really good at internalizing things, being quiet, and going it alone on our own. Loving your wife means letting her minister to you when you need it. He put her in your life for a reason. And she is strong in the areas you need her to be strong, which includes her pouring wisdom, knowledge, biblical you know, uh, counsel into your life. Being the leader in the home and, the, and, and being spiritually responsible for your home doesn't mean that your wife is silent and has no input. Swallow your pride and come to your wife and talk to her. She will love you so much more for knowing that you trust her and are willing to listen to her when she's helping you. These are just, these are practical things that we can do that are the outworking of loving our wives the way Christ loved the church and submitting to your husband as unto the Lord. These are practical outworkings. We need to be not giving a deaf ear or false interest. We need to not be tuning each other out. We need to not be looking at our marriages as what am I getting out of it, but rather our marriages are a picture of our relationship with Christ. And that is how we should approach how we love one another, how we care for one another, how we minister to one another, and how we are reflecting the love of Christ to a God-hating world. Husband, your marriage is a picture to the world of how Christ loves you. Are you showing the world the right picture? Wives, your marriage is a picture of the church's submission to Christ. Is your marriage showing the right picture? The starting place is not our emotional state. Our starting place is Christ. His love for us, his redemption of us, and our desire to show our love for him by being obedient to his commands, including how our marriages function. Rich, any last thoughts before we let everybody go? Well, I would say at this point, if you're listening to this and you're married, go tell your spouse that you love them and ask them, is there anything that you could do to help them? Ask your spouse what you can do to help them, not just at that one moment, but over the course of of, of time. Ask your spouse, what do you need from me? And, and listen other to than it. that, and listen to it. But other than that, whatever you do this week, make it a point to proclaim the gospel at least once a day. Amen. Amen. So folks, thank you for your time. I, this is one of those subjects was, I hope we encouraged you guys. We hope we really did. This is one of those areas that if we do it the world's way, the guys always get beat up, and the world's, girls always get kind of the girl power pep talk. Um, but ultimately, we, we always, 
it's 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 inadequate. I don't think we ever really feel encouraged. Um, I hope this was encouraging to you. I hope this made you stop and think for a second. What what does it mean to biblically love my spouse? Because if your interpretation of love is Hollywood's emotional roller coaster, the riding off into the sunset with the person who utterly completes you because they they are your perfect match in every way, you have a false understanding of what a marriage is. That doesn't mean, by the way, and everything that we said, and let me just f finish it with this, that doesn't mean that there aren't beautiful emotions that come out of loving your spouse. Your emotions should be informed by the Word of God. They should be rightly coming under God's de design for your marriage. They're not out of control and your marriage is now fluctuating because of your emotional state. But practice in a way that God has commanded, that love that you have will grow and you will feel that emotional rush. But it's biblically informed, not an emotional rush that leads you to and fro. Your emotions don't lead. They are informed by your love for God and the practice of loving your spouse. And that can lead to some of the greatest joys of your life. As you watch your spouse come alive, it's like, it's like watching a beautiful flower that you've cared for and nurtured just start to bloom and blossom. And you watch that grow in your wife. And, and, and ladies, as you watch your husband grow stronger in the faith, grow stronger in the Lord, there is joy with that. So don't take us wrong and, th and say, well, you just took all the emotion out. No, we just want your emotions rightly informed. Your emotions don't lead. Your obedience to Christ does. And your emotions follow. Husbands, love your wives. Raise them up in a manner in which they are loving the Lord. Watch them grow. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord and watch them bloom and blossom. You will struggle. You will argue. You will have bad days. Why? Because you got two sinners living in a house together. But how do you deal with that? You're going to fail. Your Wives, your husband is never going to be a knight in shining armor. Husbands, your wives are never going to be the damsel in distress you need to rescue. They're never going to be this perfect, picture-perfect image of what a spouse is. They will fail you in that regard. That is why your peace, your joy, your love are informed by Christ, and then you pour it into your spouse. And you will have a beautiful marriage that will have struggles, that will have difficulties. And there are going to be days you want to thump each other. Don't do that. Don't do that. But you will see the love of God being worked out if you do things God's way and not the world's way. So we hope this has been helpful. We hope that this has been a blessing to you. Preach the gospel to each other. Love one another. Submit to Christ and put your marriage under his authority. Thank you for being with us this week. Thank you for giving us five years and now 199 episodes. 
Wow. Next week. Next week, we got to, we, God willing, next week if we're here and if it works out, uh, we really, really hope to have a very special program for you guys for 200 episodes. 200 episodes. Wow, I still can't believe I'm saying that. Um, you guys are just fantastic. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. We'll see you for episode 200 next week. Mm-hmm.